This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Where, court, we all know that everybody should go to the news feed. That's with a giant Z for Zupan's mm-hmm. in the news feed. Because you're always going to find some deal or uh, excellent discounts that they have at Zupan's. Um, for instance, this week, you'll find, if you're interested in these things, free-range boneless chickens, chicken breasts, heirloom oranges, Haas avocados, uh, primal kitchen dressing mm. and marinades, and of course, a lot more. Just yes, so you can see it all there. Yeah, and you would have found out about their Sumo Citrus. The Sumos have arrived. These are those big winter citrus favorites. They're large, easy to peel, seedless, which I love. Nothing's worse than eating an orange and having a seed inside of it. I'll be well, there are worse things in the world. However, okay. <laughs> I'm going to say Maybe. I'm going to say that peeling <laughs> those Sumos, man. Oh yeah, I love that because it's they're like the. Um, what am I trying to think of? The tangerine, the, the not the tangerine. The, the, like the halos or the... The mandarins. Yeah, the little smaller easy. ones, yeah. You pop that peel off, you're eating it within two yeah. minutes. Juicy, two seconds, two seconds. Yeah, it's super easy. And the nice thing about Zupan's, when you walk into the produce area, these sumos are right there at the front. Can't miss them. Yes. And also, you check that news feed for the wine specials because they have, uh, they'll have, they'll run different specials every month. Mm-hmm. And of course... Uh, Zupans has events and they have some nice wine tastings and wine events, uh, at, in both of, uh, all of their stores actually in Burnside and at Lake Grove mm-hmm. where they're also doing, uh, in the Cellar Z at Burnside cheese school Sunday, January 20th. This isn't just any cheese school. This is Alpine cheeses, Chris. Who wouldn't want to do Alpine cheese school? We're, we're talking about your Emmentals, your your Gruyères, the stuff that like you know that you traditionally would pair with wine. Dude, this you is did the that, stuff. You did that without notes. Oh no, I I love Alpine <laughs> cheeses. Like I I have been to the city of Gruyère and it is awesome. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. So have you? Are you a French onion soup fan? I'm actually not. Oh, I love it. And I've recently <laughs> I, discovered I love a onions, and I, and I love Emmental, and I love Gruyere, and I love I love everything that makes a good French onion soup. I just don't like French onion soup. Really? Yeah. Maybe that's... I, it was my first date ever. I ordered French onion soup. Yeah. And it, pro- it should have had me off dating for my whole life oh, right, because right, it's no, so you, sloppy and ridiculous. And then, and then your breath afterwards, if it's you, good. I oh, mean, man, I didn't even take that into account, but I... <laughs> I just making a fool of myself right. was uh, was the first date, so yeah. that was a great experience. But uh, uh, speaking of dates, um, Zupan's great spot yep. for a date. Elf. Just go down there. Uh, believe it or not, I'm doing that tonight. Oh, there you go. Nice. And have a little date in Zupan's prior to dinner. Huh. You get, they got the poke. You can get, you can make yourself poke. You can do a salad. They got the soups there always. Always the, the they have entrees in the in the right. deli a area. Taste a few things. And back to the cheeses. Just to wrap this up <laughs> nicely with a bow. You can buy cheeses in a lot of places, but at Zupan's, you can actually have somebody there that can kind of walk you through the process and talk to you about what you're buying. Right. There's not. It's not just a beautiful section. There's someone who can every, make suggestions. Every time I've been there, there's been somebody say, hey, can I help you with anything? And they've been able to answer any questions that I had. So Fantastic. Go to the three locations. You mentioned two of them, Burnside, Lake Grove, McAdam. Yes. And don't forget Zupan's.com. All right, we're back. It's uh, right at the Fork Portland's Food Scene Podcast and part two of our two-part interview. Yes. Chris Angeles from Portland Food Adventures. Right, which say it twice because you, I don't think you said it last week when we opened the year. 
But I said, uh, oh, that it was right at the fork. Portland's right, but we didn't. I never podcast. said who I was. Oh, that's uh, Chris Angeles, everybody, <laughs> the uh, the host of the show, and uh, and of course Kurt Johnson. Uh, you can hear him on Kink.fm, mm-hmm. too, which is uh, a pleasure as well. Yeah, I, I love having hearing you here. It's good to have you here. I couldn't do this myself. Well. Thank you, Court, for five complete years of this podcast. Yeah, now now entering six. Yes. So now that we've got that out of the way, Mm -hmm. we we had uh, last week we kicked off this year with Andy Ricker, and we talked to him about Pac Pac and um, the business of Pac Pac Mm -hmm. and um, his a little bit of his life over in Thailand, and um, we wended into a conversation and. I contacted Andy last year when Anthony Bourdain took his life, and we were just able to get Andy in now. He's been pretty busy, and we've been busy too. Yeah. So, um, so we decided to split our interview with Andy up into two parts, first part about Andy and the second part about Anthony Bourdain, uh, because as many people listening to this podcast probably know, when Anthony Bourdain went to Thailand, he spent the whole episode with uh, Andy uh, as his host. Yeah. Thailand, going to bars and going to restaurants and just hanging out. And so we, what we find out from Andy is a lot of that was television. Right. They weren't best friends. They were, you know, friendly enough that Anthony gave him some really interesting advice mm-hmm. uh, on business things, but or business matters, I should say. While we'll never get to the bottom of what happened to Anthony Bourdain, we get some cogent thoughts on. Uh, Andy's time with him and yep. how he, how he thought. So this is a little shorter interview than usual, um, but we're glad to have it. And uh, of course, you know the loss of Anthony Bourdain affected so many people in the food, and not only the food world, but just people who love in it. general. Yeah, yeah, and 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 people who really the world was open. They saw the world through Anthony Bourdain's eyes. Yep, and his words, which I personally believe he's fantastic mm-hmm. writer. And we're really going to miss that. Nobody's ever going to do anything like that. But he touched so many people in different ways and, uh, of course, touched Andy and, uh, and us. So we're not happy that we're talking about Anthony Bourdain's uh, death, of course, but we're glad that we have the opportunity to speak to Andy Ricker about it. Right at the Fork is proud to be supported by Zupan's Markets. For over 40 years, unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to the freshest baked goods, flowers, and more. With a delicious emphasis on locally sourced items. The best of the Northwest Bounty can be found at your closest Zupans on West Burnside, McAdam, or Lake Grove. And at Zupans.com. Eat well, put taste first, love your food. By Ringside Steakhouse. Owned by the Peterson family for generations, Ringside Steakhouse has long been a landmark of the Portland landscape, featuring impeccable service that has set the standard for nearly 75 years. Enjoy the finest aged steaks, their world-famous onion rings, and even Ringside's legendary late-night happy hour. Whether it's a special occasion, a business dinner, or just a great night out, make a reservation at ringsidesteakhouse.com today. And by Portland Food Adventures. Inviting you to listen to Right at the Fork, episode number 170 with Proud Mary Coffee's Nolan Hurdy. Then imagine yourself eating and sipping your way through Melbourne, Australia this April for nine incredible days of VIP treatment at Nolan's favorite places in Proud Mary's home city. It's all at PortlandFoodAdventures.com under the Trips tab. Contact Right at the Fork host Chris Angeles for more information and extra savings on these PFA food journeys. I also want to uh, spend a little time um, at 
uh, talking about uh, Tony Bourdain, um, to, since that was uh, for many reasons, um, and you were close to him. I think I was impressed with the fact that I watched a lot of his shows, and I don't remember many when he had a host in a particular land that stayed with him for the entire episode. Hmm. Um, and I was impressed by that because, uh, he usually talks to someone for a little while and then he's on to something else with you. You were, you were the guy. And, uh, well, the, the whole premise of that was, um, that episode was that I had, uh, I was going to be writing this book, the drinking food of Thailand and the conceit early on. One of the conceits was I was going to invite people I knew in the food world to come and go on a little exploration trip with me, maybe find some new, new drinking food, have a few drinks, have a few laughs, and then it would end up in the book. So I pitched it to, to Tony, kind of like, you know, hey, you know, I know that you're going to be over in Southeast Asia a bunch, you know, would you ever be interested in doing something like this? And much to my surprise, he said, well, yeah, sure, why don't we just make an episode of it? And I was like, okay, great. So that was, that was the, 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 the whole thing about that that there was a theme before we even started. It wasn't just kind of like, hey, let's do something with Ricker in, in Thailand. There was, a, there was an idea behind it. Did you know him before that? Or yeah. Or was, was that a cold pitch? No, no. I, I, knew, I knew Tony, but we, we, met, we met years ago in Portland briefly, and that was, you know, I don't know that he, he ever remembered that or not. But, uh, uh, back when he was coming through on a book tour. Must have been 2009. Mm-hmm. And then um, he came to um, he came to Pock Pock, New York, and did an, uh, the last episode of No Reservations was a Brooklyn episode, and Pock Pock was on that one. Mm-hmm. We also share a, a literary agent, uh, Kimberly Witherspoon, um, and um, you know, there's other connections too with various people that, that we know in common. And um, so it wasn't, I mean. You know, whenever you pitch somebody who's who's in that kind of world with a uh, uh, you know an idea, it's it's never a done deal, right? It's always like you know, I felt bold enough to do it, um, but you got to understand that that Tony, me and Tony weren't like tight buds. Like we, he didn't come to my house and I didn't go to his house, you know. And and I think that, um, you know, there's that. Uh, there's a certain sort of like comfortable uh, vibe that, that he gives off and that, that people feel, feel tight with him uh, pretty quick because he's a pretty open book in a lot of ways, some ways. Uh, but you got to remember that we weren't ultra tight, but he, you know, he was like, yeah, that sounds great. And we, we went off and did it. So you had, um, you had written Ordain's people or Anthony. I just emailed him directly. Emailed him mm-hmm. directly. And so did you get a quick reply? I can't recall, but I think it was pretty quick. Yeah. And then how much, how long after that did the episode and how, what was the prep process like for working with his production team? Okay. So as soon as that happened, he just punted to the 0.0 folks who are, mm-hmm. you know, super organized. They're great. They're really, really good. And, um, I think we had, I think it was like, three months, maybe three or four months till, till we did it. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, they're super professional and, um, you know, just a joy to work with. And, 
you know, the process was, I was more engaged than your average host would be. I, I, I kind of, um, I recommended a local, uh, ground crew for them. Good friend of mine who has a, a big, you know, video TV movie production studio in, in Thailand. And, um, I, I chose most of the locations myself and then we just hired a local fixer. I recommended a few people and they, and they, uh, they hired and you know, it, it came together pretty, pretty quickly. So when you say fixer, is that like a producer, someone who gets in touch with all the people and makes it, makes yeah, so the, fi- the, fi- the fixer is the person. So you got, you got all kinds of people involved in a, in a shoe like that. Um, producers are, are coming from America. Um, the fixer is the person on the ground who, who goes, okay, we're going to go to this location. They go there. They say, we're coming to this location. Uh, you know, and they, and they make it happen basically. Right. right. So they're, they, they're the ones who show up at the distillery and say, Hey, there's going to be 20 people showing up in here in vans to shoot a major TV thing. Are you cool with that? Maybe a little bit of, uh, a little bit of money mm-hmm. and, um, they're, they're, they're locals and they speak the language and they know how to culturally navigate. And then, you know, you also have the cultural, the, 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 um, the folks who work for the government, for the, the Ministry of Culture who come along and make sure you don't do anything, you know, bad mm-hmm. on the shoot. Make them look good. It's not that. It's more about making sure that you don't, um, you know, shoot the Buddha image oh, the wrong right. way or um, portray Thai culture in, in a negative light, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So um, how, much, how much time did the actual shoot take? Shoot took about a week. Okay, that's pretty quick, actually. For the amount uh, of time that you're on screen, there was a lot of, you had to go lots of different places. Yeah, look, uh, it's, you know, um, TV shows have done enough now to, to know that it's not a glamorous thing. It's, you know, it's a lot of slogging. It's a lot of, you know, can you stop? Can you say that again? Uh, we need to get a B-roll of that. Uh-oh, the camera ran out of battery pack. We have to do that again. Go back into the, the van. We got to wait for this to happen there's an airplane, please stop. You know, it's just, it's, it's a, it's just a whole lot of stuff goes into making something like that. So weeks worth of, of shooting with, you know, countless hours of footage gets distilled down to, you know, what, 37 minutes, right? It's 45 minutes, 47 minutes. Something like that. I don't know what it is total. Did you have, was there time because you're working the whole time when you're talking or interacting with, or, or were interacting with Anthony, was there time to, develop um a real friendship with him i mean to the extent that we already were comfortable and 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 friendly with each other um you know there's there's some opportunities uh but you got to remember that that this is what he does for a living and you know 255 days a year or something he's on the road and um you know it's it's exhausting so when he's on the clock uh, or a lot of, a lot of guys who are the talent for these, these things, they're, they're in a van, they go to the hotel, they have a wake up call, go have breakfast, they get in the van, they go to the thing, they pop out of the van, they do the shoot, they get back in the van, they go back, they go back to their hotel room. Uh, and then it's another call. And, you know, there, sometimes they like to socialize and sometimes they don't, they, you know, they're missing their family. Um, they've got, you know, they, maybe they have like, three other shows they're supposed to edit. Uh, plus they're, they're fielding phone calls at odd hours for other projects that they have. 
Um, or right, they just don't want to see people because they're just fucking bombarded by people all the time. Mm-hmm. So you you got to and it's hard work, and you need a little time yeah. to relax. You, you, you got to remember, you know that this is what Tony was doing for fifteen years, mm-hmm. and you know he spent a lot of time, kind of uh, you know in solitary time, a lot of solitary time. So you know the. the it, for, for somebody who's never done this before, it's all exciting. It's like, cool, hey, we get to hang out, blah, blah, blah. Best job in the world, But but everybody says. But like, for somebody who does it every day, it's it's not as exciting. You know, it's still a great job, but it's not as exciting as it is for the, for the dude who's, for the very first time, you know, getting in front of the cameras or for the third time or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? It's, it's a different game. Do you think that, um, so what you're saying is... Um, it's a lot of solitary time that might have, uh, you know, everybody's trying. When this happened, I was trying to explain it. I've gone through depression, mm-hmm. felt like I was close to that at some point, in, at one point in my life, um, and then backed it down a little bit. Do you think that that had, I mean, have you speculated in your mind? I mean, you only know him so well, as you say. Mm-hmm. Have you speculated as to, I guess there are no I answers. Who, who That's knows? the tough part. I, 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 you know, I really, I, who, I, I would, I wouldn't dream of speaking for what was going through his head because that's that was, you know, obviously his his own personal thing. Um, was his life glamour? I would say not. I would say not. I'm sure he had his good times and he, you know, he had he was able to do fun stuff, but the image of Tony gallivanting around the world, having these incredible, um meals and you know riding on you know outrigger canoes in the surf and and uh you know drinking ten thousand dollar bottles of wine and you know it that that all looks it's tv you, that's tv and you know to to kind of project like oh i can't believe that he did this you know blah blah, blah uh and, and and base it on this idea of his public persona is just like there's a doesn't make any sense you know everybody's got their everybody's got their problems everybody's their demons and and you know the, the tv making a tv show ain't glamorous mm-hmm. yeah, well as you pointed out it probably is in the beginning and then probably but you know by the time you know even by the end of no reservations that was his second or third show by then mm-hmm. you know when we got to parts unknown that was his third or fourth show i can't remember the exact timeline uh, on three different, well, it's, I think it was his third show. So on three different, you know, networks uh, over fifteen years, working with the same people, um, you know, it's it's uh, it's not all glitter. And you know, is is there time to be depressed and and you know have have a really fucking hard time? Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I think yeah. the frustrating part is in watching the last year. Um, you know, he is out there saying, I'm so happy. He actually over and over is eating with people, you know, having a meal with people saying, I'm so happy. And, mm-hmm. um, there is no explanation. It's just, mm-hmm. it's really, it's really sad. And I, and I think the outpouring from not only the industry, mm. but just what he brought to so many people. I mm. mean, I've had a, he, he helped me with this thirst to, Travel sure. internationally. I never did that. Sure. And I and I saw all the benefits and tried to have experiences sure. like he had. I wasn't sure, going to sure. all the tourist traps. Sometimes, yes, mm-hmm. of course. 
Um, but so, uh, can you frame maybe the any impact he might have had on you and how his life might benefit you going forward? And sure, I mean, look, I, I think that anybody who met him and and you know came into his orbit was impacted by Tony. Uh, he was, you know, famously generous with his advice. And I mean, there's most of the people I know call him uncle Tony. Um, most of the chefs, uncle Tony, even if he was, you know, your, your age, still uncle Tony. Um, because he was, he was a smart guy. He was opinionated and he was often quite right. He was often very right about things. And so, um, you know, if, you know, at various different times over the years, I had, you know, kind of pinged him for advice about stuff and he gave me good advice and it wasn't always what I wanted to hear. And that, and that I really, really appreciated that. You know? mm. I, there was a time where I had this idea that maybe I could, you know, cause I was, I was fucked off with this idea of, um, you know, whenever TV shows go to, to Southeast Asia, it's either about, you know, going to the beach or it's about, shocking they eat insects and stinky fruit you know and i you know I, I was like maybe maybe you know with the knowledge that i have and the connections that i have perhaps i could do something that was kind of shown more of a positive light and a real light on you know food in thailand and so you know i, I asked i said to tony what do you think about this and he said well uh first of all that kind of show doesn't have any legs in the entertainment world it would be a pbs type thing you'd have to find a bunch of sponsors to do it. Uh, but furthermore, do you, are you the guy, are you the guy that's good in front of the camera? Is that your, is that your calling? He said, I would, I would urge you to wait until this episode comes out. I would urge you to kind of try to gather some, uh, some more experience with that and just see if it's something that you're, that you're good at, that, that you, you, you're good on camera and all that kind of stuff, because if you're not, it's not going to work. And, you know, basically the answer was like, forget it, kid. You know, it's it's probably not a great idea. Well, I was trying to lead you there, yeah. um, and he was, and he's right, of course. You know, and and so, you know, I, I guess you know, just the way that he lived his life, he had a lot of integrity, I think, um, and sometimes to a fault, I would say. You know, um, and uh, it, you know, but but I I think that you know, always kind of like trying to be as as straightforward and, and direct and honest as you can be about a given situation is, is a good thing. And I think that's what Tony Alls was. Um, and you know, I, I've, I've tried to be that way in my life too. It seems to me, I don't know you well, but what I know of you and our hour here, mm. um, that you, that you, that you've accomplished that too. When I think of one of the things that was really appealing about what he did Aside from being, when I, I think, just a fantastic writer. I mm. mean, everything was so beautifully written. Sure. Um, and he wasn't, he didn't go to school to be a writer. That's what, that's mm -hmm. what's pretty cool. But, but he worked uh, at it. You got to know that he, he, he did work at it. And, yeah. You can't do that and not, you can't write that well and not edit the hell out of it mm -hmm. always. Because mm -hmm. I, I write, I know that. But he was so genuine mm. in the way he presented it. There are so many food celebrities out there that are just it's hype and it's all mm -hmm. you just feel the bullshit behind the camera is that me well tony had a voice you know um and luckily that voice will live on it, it, he had his voice was very similar 
uh, in writing as, and, and in person and, you know, on social media, in interviews, um, in his own shows and stuff. There was a, there was a voice that he had and, you know, he was able, he was able to put that voice down on a page. And I think that's, I think that's really, and, and luckily for him, uh, he, uh, what's the name of that? Uh, the Beatles song, act naturally. All I got to do is act naturally. That's, that was, that was Tony. He could just be him and it was appealing and funny and smart and, uh, and abrasive and, uh, confrontational and all that stuff, you know? And it, it was just, he, he was just being him. Yeah. You know, uh, very sad and, uh, appreciate your being, um, amenable to talking about sure. him and coming sure. in. Um, you've been at the top of the list for <laughs> us and wanting to have you on this podcast. And, um, I see why I think it's justified. <laughs> so I hope you, you'll sometime when you're back in town and even if not via phone, I, there's so much to talk about and I'd love to have you on the podcast again. Sure. Great. Well, if, thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. And thanks for coming in when you weren't feeling that great. You bet. You, you can't, you can't, <laughs> you can't tell. So, oh, well, if, you know, if, if I had my regular voice, you'd, you'd be able to tell the difference. I well, so there you go. You got a podcast voice. So <laughs> if I were, you know, do you come that across? That or a sex phone operator voice. Yeah, right. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Andy. Appreciate it. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. 